Hallelujah, Jesus. We magnify your name tonight, God, and we give you glory and praise for all that you have done in Jesus' wonderful name. If you are with me tonight, let's just begin to glorify his name and praise it. I, I have seen these prayer requests here, and I believe that God's spirit is inside of every single household, that he is ready and he is willing to touch every single one of these needs that have been proclaimed here tonight in Jesus' name. I'm trying to pull them up, but we are going to pray for every single one of these. We're going to believe for God's strength in every single one of these. And we were praying it here while we were singing these songs tonight, that that spirit of God that we were singing about and inviting into our, our presence that it would be upon every single household that is listening to this live stream tonight, upon every single person, if you're in your car driving, wherever you may be tonight in Jesus' name, the Spirit of God is there to impact you. So let's pray with that. Let's believe that tonight. And if you haven't felt it yet, it can certainly come in and impact your life and your household in Jesus' name. We have a prayer request for the lost and the backsliders, for the fatherless, the widows, and the orphans inside of our community. Those are the prayer requests that I see, and I want to pray for brother William who was kicked by a horse yesterday we're going to believe for God to touch him as well in Jesus name so let's lift our hands and begin to proclaim these things tonight in Jesus wonderful name God we believe in your authority that you are omnipresence and not only inside of this sanctuary God but every household every person every live stream that is listening to this message tonight God pour out your spirit God let those rivers of living water flow God let people be refreshed and restored stored in who you are tonight, God. I am believing through the miraculous name of yours, God, that these prayer requests that have been spoken tonight in faith, Lord, that they will be touched, God, and that your power will move inside of every one of these circumstances so that glory comes to your name, God, so that you are lifted on high, Lord, and your wonderful power can be seen throughout this community, God. Let this church be a lighthouse tonight in this community, God. Every one of those dark places, God, let your light shine and let it illuminate God let darkness flee before you God as you go before into these places and we are thankful God for what you are doing and what you have done God I am thankful for the encouragement you have given to these saints tonight God and we magnify and glorify your name in that tonight in Jesus wonderful wonderful name in Jesus name let's begin to praise and lift his name on high and glorify him for what he has done and is going to do tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we praise your mighty name, God. We praise your mighty name, God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus. We praise and exalt you tonight, God. We give you glory and praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise his wonderful name tonight, and he is already doing incredible things. So again, thank you for being here with us. We are believing for him to continue with us in all ways tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name, if you're in your house, your car, you can be seated wherever you may be. And uh, I encourage you to download the booklet from our website if you have in Jesus' name. We have uh, our website right now is working again, so uh, you can go there and download that. We will have a new website here very soon, and so I'm excited about that. And uh, hopefully it will allow us to not have as many issues on that side as well in, in Jesus' wonderful name. So we want to invite people. We want to show people that we are an inviting church and that our baptismal tank is always ready in Jesus' name. We want to leave that open uh, for, for every single person. So again, use this season as a time where you can uh, 
uh, invite people to church. I know that we have two services coming up this Sunday, Sunday morning, uh, where there will be a children's skit, and they have worked hard, and they're doing an incredible job with that. Our Sunday school teacher, Sister Wanda and Sister Chrissy, thank you for working with those kids and doing that in Jesus' wonderful name, and any, anybody else who I might have missed inside of that. And then I know there are a lot of people that are preparing for uh, Sunday night for worship and singing. And uh, so Sunday night, we will have a Christmas worship uh, session in here, I guess maybe even just a worship session, but we're going to give glory to God and praise his wonderful name. So it's another time for you to come together and, and be with, uh, with uh, like-minded saints in Jesus' name. And then along with that, we have our candlelight service next week on Thursday. So um, you won't want to miss that either. And so I uh, invite people to those things. And again, if we need to overflow into the back, we will do so. And we just ask that anybody who may be a, a normal saint of this church, that you would allow room for maybe some of our guests to sit in the sanctuary and we'd be willing to go to the back uh, so that, that those people can enjoy uh, the presence of God out here. We can work with that in Jesus' name. Uh, we can experience that. And so we will move forward in those things and, and, and uh, see what God is going to do in Jesus' name. So those are a few of the announcements that we have tonight. And we're just believing that Again, um, I just want to remind you, because I love supporting apostolic people, if you like some of that worship tonight, especially that last song, uh, was wrote by uh, Anthony Trimble. I know I speak about him a lot, but he does an incredible job with writing music and songs and stuff. You should go download his CD um, if, if you can. If you want something to listen to, download some apostolic music and worship and give glory to God if you need some music to listen to. So you can find it on iTunes, all the major uh, places that you download normal CDs or songs. You can go there and you can look up Anthony Trimble and you can uh, find his CDs. And there, there, there's some incredible songs on there that will bring you into the presence of God. So I encourage you to do that. Just some things that might help you at your household or in your home. Uh, and, and we believe that, uh, that, that God will bless you through those things in Jesus' name. Um, last but not least, I have my cell phone with me tonight. So if something goes wrong, I have Pastor Carnahan watching this. And uh, please shoot me a text and, and I, will, uh, I will try to respond to that. In Jesus' name. So tonight we are speaking about being a blessed and a privileged people. And if we are Christians, if we're in the kingdom of God, we understand that we are very blessed and we are very privileged to be in the kingdom of God just because of all the great things we get to experience. I was recently having a Bible study and we were talking about the Holy Ghost and I walked out of there just so energized and encouraged because I, I was thinking about the presence of God living inside of me and how blessed and privileged I am as a result of that. I was also thinking that, you know, when God's Spirit comes inside of us, just how much the Bible begins to glow and how much the atmospheres around us become sensitive and we can feel uh, so many different things in, in, in God's presence and what He wants to do uh, through various circumstances in certain areas. And again, it's just like, man, you know, I am so blessed to have that ability inside of my life. And so we are absolutely blessed and privileged people. But tonight, we are going to be looking specifically at our walk in Christ. And this will be the third lesson out of the series of four lessons. And so if you haven't heard the previous two, you can go back and listen to those. But tonight, we are speaking about our walk in Christ, that we are meant to walk inside of Him. And so if we go to the scripture tonight, this is what it is going to say. There we go, Ephesians 4 and 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We all have a calling inside of this. When you signed up to live for God, God put a calling upon your life. And our calling is that we walk worthy 
of the vocation. We walk worthy of what God has given to us, and we don't just begin to throw it around or toss it around or use it on just Sunday mornings or Sunday nights when we're inside of a church service, but every day that we walk worthy of the things that God has given to us by our calling in Jesus' name. And so that's what we're going to speak about here tonight. I believe it will be an encouragement to you and that God will strengthen you in your walk tonight through this in Jesus' name. It says this, that Samson was born and the Lord blessed him as he grew. Throughout Samson's early years, there were many occasions where the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and gave him incredible strength. Samson killed a lion with his bare hands and later passing the dead lion, he found honey in its carcass. He killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey as once again the Lord made a way of provision through Samson. Sadly, Samson allowed himself to become distracted by the lusts of the flesh. Consequently, he made some very unwise decisions that ultimately cost him his life. After having been lured by the temptation of Delilah and having revealed the secret of his strength, Samson found himself captured and imprisoned by the Philistines. Subsequently, Samson was abused and mistreated and became a laughingstock to the Philistines. They took pleasure in reminding him of what he used to be and the, the exploits he used to do, but no longer could. To further dim diminish Samson's abilities and to take even greater dom dom dominance over him, the Philistines gouged out his eyes. They took pleasure and were entreated at the in inability of the former strongmen to do much of anything anymore on his own. The Bible does record how Samson killed many Philistines with his final living act, but Samson never fully fulfilled God's plan for his life. We must never forget Samson's story. The tragedy of Samson's choices urges us to safeguard ourselves, not only our flesh, but also our spirit, so that we seek to make godly decisions that protect our spiritual vision in Jesus' name. I know that God has given so many of you, and, and I think if we're honest, every single one of us on this live stream tonight, so much. He has blessed you with a wonderful church. He has blessed you with his spirit. He has blessed you with worship that is incredible. He has blessed you with an atmosphere of, of live streaming and various things that we can tap into messages from all over the world. But if we are not careful, we will allow our flesh to get in the way of those things and say, well, I might have had just a little bit too much of that this week, so I don't not longer need any more of that. Or we might begin to say, man, I'm doing pretty good in life right now. There's not a need for God inside of my life. Or we might begin to say, there's somebody inside of that church who once hurt me or hurt my feelings, so I'm going to push away from that and no longer be a part of of that. But if we do that, we are putting ourselves in the same shoes as Samson's tragedy, that he was once in a place where God could greatly minister through him. He was once in a place where he could greatly feel the things of God. He was in a place where miracles were happening all around him in drastic measures, yet he let that go for a, a, a quick temptation, something that was very, very small. And so tonight, if you hear anything, it is this, that our walk in Jesus Christ is the most important thing that we must safeguard every single day. I understand there's temptations and there's trials, that there's tribulation that comes around us, but we must be willing to put up a fight and safeguard our relationship with Jesus Christ every single day. 
You see, we must have a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. And without this proper relationship, making Him Lord of our lives, the riches that we have received will not be used to glorify Him, but they will be something that just begins to fade and fall through. If you have been disappointed in the things that you've heard about God, and you've been disappointed maybe in, in trying to find Him or seek Him out tonight, then I would encourage you to run after Him with a passion like you never have before. Be willing to put up a fight for the things that people begin to put inside of your life. Be willing to defend the things of God more so than you defend anything else inside of your life. Be willing to say, I'm going to make a stand and not do certain things that I used to do because my walk with Jesus Christ is more important. And I guarantee you, if you put that commitment into Jesus, he will pour tenfold back into you and he will just replenish you and put joy and everlasting peace inside of who you are. God will and he is anointing us to do incredible things. But you see, God can anoint us to do mighty things through Him, but if we do not learn to give all the glory back to Him, then those blessings will become a curse, something that haunts us, something that other people begin to use and say, well, man, you were once able to do that, so how come you're not able to do it now? Or how come you were able to do it in this person or not this person over here? And you see how if you are in the presence of Jesus Christ, you can begin to say, you know what? I give the glory to God through all circumstances circumstances, through all trials, through all tribulations, whether he heals or whether he does not, whether he blesses me or whether he does not, I give the glory back to God. You can begin to emphasize that it is all about him. But when we don't give him the glory and we use our pride to emphasize those things, then it's very easy for people to walk into our lives and destroy the things that God has done through us because we feel that it is through our strength and our strength is not going to last. You see, there's a purpose in our walk with Jesus Christ. The purpose of our walk in Christ is to bring us closer to him, to be formed in his image and ultimately to reveal him to the world. It is a forging process that begins to take place as soon as you tap into the things of God. Now, I understand I'm speaking some big stuff here tonight. So if you have never experienced God before and you have never understood the Bible or any of this sort of stuff, and this is your first time listening to this live stream tonight, I ask you to hold in there because we're going to get to a point where we're going to get back to the basics and a lot of this stuff will begin to make sense. But for, for those of us who have been walking in Jesus Christ for a while, who have been seeking Him out, the purpose of that is for us to become closer to Him, in, in fact, so close to him that we begin to, to model our lifestyle after how he walks, how he does things, how he speaks, and how he moves. It's something that becomes very easy with the infilling of the Holy Ghost inside of our lives. But not only that, we can begin to look into Scripture and, and seek out how did Jesus handle particular circumstances. We ask the question, WWJD, of what would Jesus do? And that's a question that should resound inside of our lives every single day as Christians that what would Jesus do in the circumstance? How would Jesus treat this person? Would Jesus forgive them for the same thing if they did that to, to, to him? Would Jesus forgive or would he move? Would he heal? Would he do this or that? You can begin to put Jesus in all of these circumstances and see it inside of scripture. And ultimately our purpose is to mold our lives after Jesus so closely to his that we begin to witness about him to the rest of the world. 
that the rest of the world can begin to see him alive and living inside of us, that they begin to see those changes inside of us, not necessarily the miracles that he does through us and in the things around us, but just the lifestyle that we begin to live out in so many different ways. Let me tell you this, that a Christian's behavior will affect the honor of God in the eyes of the world. Listen to that. Your behavior will affect the honor of God. The honor of God in the eyes of the world. That's a strong stance to begin to think about. That if you mess it up, you're affecting the honor of God. But if you decide to run passionately after the things of God, and even though you may fall every now and again, you run passionately after that lifestyle of Jesus Christ, you will understand that you will bring honor to God, that you will glorify His name, that you will bring praise to Him from the world that is around us. Scripture says this in Philippians 1 and 27. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He's encouraging us here to say, man, there is a purpose inside of your life that you are meant to stand fast in one spirit. We believe in one God, right? One God, one Father of all. It's all the same here, that you stand fast in one spirit. But this here, speaking about one spirit, is speaking about the spirit, the atmosphere that we bring into this thing, that we want to be unified in the presence of God, moving the same direction as the church, that it is our goal to witness and to reach souls. It's not our goal to belittle or shut down people, but it is our goal to say, man, there is a baptism, there is a Holy Ghost that you can become a part of, and we want to stand fast inside of that, no matter what intimidation comes against us or whatever it may be there, that we are unified to say, I am standing fast in this one spirit with one mind, that we all have the same mindset saying, man, this is our goal, this is where we're going, and this is what we want other people to see in Jesus name that we strive together for the faith of the gospel we move it forward we don't sit here and argue about little petty stuff but a scripture says it then we believe it man and we begin to promote it inside of the world and say man we want you to be a part of this we desire for you to be a part of our household and our family we're not standing there just telling somebody or cramming them with scripture but we're just saying man we have a family that you can become a part of in the kingdom of god we are a blessed and a privileged people to be able to have that opportunity in Jesus' name. Because there are some out there who do not know Jesus. There are some who have not experienced what you have experienced in the presence of God. And so you are blessed and privileged to be a part of that, to have this calling upon your life tonight in Jesus' name. God expects us we are expected to make every conceivable effort with all diligence and zeal to keep the unity of the Spirit. We are expected with everything inside of us to keep the unity of the Spirit. That if it means, man, I got to let my pride go a little bit. Or if it means that, man, I might look a little bad. If it means that I have to shut myself down so that something else can be glorified, then I am going to do it. Because it is not about me, myself, or I in the kingdom of God. 
but it is about the church family striving to keep the unity of the Spirit moving forward. That means that some are going to have to make sacrifices. I, I can actually preface that and say all are probably going to have to make a sacrifice at a certain point in time. That your flesh is going to want to rise up and take credit maybe for something that has happened or something that has went around. But you can say, you know what? I am giving the glory to God. He is the one that has given me the ability and the passion to do that. And there are other times where you might have a disagreement about somebody. Maybe it's the, the wall color inside of the church or how the Sunday school room should look, but that should not be something that affects us to the point that it allows the unity of the Spirit to be broken. But sometimes we must say, you know what, I don't like that color, but let's paint it that way anyway, because I want the unity of the Spirit to be moving forward inside of the church body. If we are to have revival, if we are to grow, if we are to see incredible, miraculous things going to happen, then we must be striving forward in the unity of the Spirit. And I am so thankful that inside of this church that, that we march that way, that we move forward, and we're believing that for God this year to see a revival like we have never seen before. But the only way we will see it is if we keep that unity of the Spirit. And so I would encourage you this year in 2021 to not be worried about other people or what other people are doing, but say, I want to keep the unity of what is moving forward inside of this church. I want to see souls saved, and I am willing to give up something inside of my own life, something about who I am to see him glorified. And if we begin to do that passionately inside of every household, inside of every family, inside of every individual, then we will see a revival like we have never seen before. We must walk inside of that in faith in Jesus' name. And let me reveal something to you that I think would just be astounding. Maybe you have never heard this before. Maybe you never realize it. Or maybe you don't understand it. This will help you think about this to keep the unity of the Spirit. It's this fact. The church is comprised of imperfect people. The church is comprised of imperfect people. People who are not perfect. People who need a Savior. People who need cleansed from their sins. That's you and I and every single person that walks through the doors of this church. It doesn't put one of us higher than anybody else, but it shows us we're all on the same field. So keeping the unity of the Spirit is so much easier because we understand the only way that we are going to make it is through His Spirit. Through His mercy and grace coming into our lives in Jesus' name. The church shows love by accepting one another's faults, not by condoning sin, but by praying always with all prayer and supplication that those in sin might escape the snare of the devil. Scripture says this in 2 Timothy 2 and 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I don't know about you all, but I get a little frustrated about the kingdom of darkness going around trapping people inside of its snares. I get a little frustrated about Satan going around and trapping people inside of his snares. And in fact, it causes me to get so frustrated that I ask God the question of God, what can I do about this? And I believe that some of you have probably asked that question as well. But you know what you can do 
is you can strive to keep the unity of the Spirit and you can begin to live out Jesus' name in front of the people around you. And those snares will have to begin to release in Jesus' name. That when an apostolic begins to walk in a room and begins to pray prayers through the authority of God, when God begins to move inside of that atmosphere, those snares have to begin to release and let people go. They have to begin to release and let freedom reign inside of our community. And I get excited about that, that man, just because we move in a certain way, just because we walk a certain way, just because we believe in Jesus Christ and, and, and we're involved in his presence, that, man, we can go to places and see people freed from the things that have held them back from far too long in Jesus' name. We are a blessed and a privileged people in so many ways in Jesus' name. I want to ask you this question here tonight. Maybe I can get a couple responses but how is sin like a snare? How is sin like a snare? Maybe if you have a couple seconds to just put that in the comments here, saying how is sin like a snare? I see uh, Brother Spencer, you're on YouTube. Praise the Lord. We don't usually have comments there. And so this, I'll have to pay attention over here as well in Jesus' name. So I'll click on that. Let's see. Sister McAdams, you say always lift people up. Talk good about them. Giving them a positive report. Yes, do so. Encourage people in the kingdom of God. You can do it. You can get the Holy Ghost. You can be sin-free in Jesus' name. You can encourage people inside of those ways. Absolutely. Very strong point. I love that in Jesus' name. Yes, amen and amen. Again, how is sin like a snare? I'm just waiting in case anybody wants to respond here. I know we have uh, probably like a, a minute delay uh, between when I speak and when you can start typing. And so I want to give you a chance to participate in those things. Maybe I'll grab a drink while we do that. Brother Nofsker, you say it baits you and then it takes you captive. Absolutely. It, it does bait you, doesn't it? That flesh, man, we begin to look at certain things and it draws us into them. And then it doesn't let us go once we're in the midst of it. That's, that's right. That's why Scripture is so strong about being careful what you look at, what you see, what you watch, what you walk after. Because there's a time when you get so deep into it that you just cannot escape it anymore until the presence of God comes and releases you. Sister Carnahan says it lures you in and then it makes it hard for you to get away from it. So two, two people answering the same thing. Absolutely. Yes, it begins to bait you in. And then Sister Wheeler, sin has an alluring effect. It is pleasing to the eyes. Absolutely. It seems good. It feels good to the flesh. But to the spirit, it's something that is very displeasing, separating us from God and who he is. I just want to give it one more second here. Make sure there's no others coming in. But it seems like we have the same thought and the same idea. So we must begin to guard against that. And how do we guard against those things? We must pray. We must strive that God would reveal to us those things that will cause us to fall into sin. And he absolutely will do that. But be ready to give up some things if you're wanting to fight and battle against sin. I'll continue on here tonight. We must have unity in the church. We must have unity in who we are as a group of people. And it can only be maintained through the loving efforts of believers. 
who continue to respect one another's differences and bear one another's weaknesses. Unity is everyone's responsibility, not just an individual's, not just the pastors or the youth pastors or the leaders or the worship team inside of the church, but unity is every single person's responsibility. And if you have a beef with somebody or something going on inside of the church, then it's your responsibility to begin to correct that. It shouldn't be the responsibility of the pastor to come down and get in the middle of those things, but we should be willing to try to, uh, to, to work through that in the kingdom of God before we ever need to get that involved. And so no church, regardless of its doctrinal accuracy, can expect the Lord's full blessing unless members promote unity and love for one another in the bond of peace. That is so strongly encouraged over and over and over again. That there is no way that we are going to have these wonderful blessings that we speak about if we are just so uh, fighting with one another and backbiting and having strife in various different places. Strife within the body is something that is going to taint and it's going to, to taint the presence of God. If there is strife and disagreement inside of this atmosphere, you can see how uh, subjects like saying that God can completely heal people of every one of their diseases or can completely heal them and deliver them from sin. If we have strife in the atmosphere of the church and people walk into the midst of that, you could see how they would just be appalled of saying, well, you guys can't even get along, so how can I get along with Jesus or whatever he is doing here? We must always make sure that we strive to maintain this unity in the church. Because we are one body, produced by one spirit. We have one hope that we live for, one calling. We have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We have only one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if we can strive to unify upon that purpose of saying, I am not the God of my life. The people around me are not the God of my life. My money is not the God of my life. My cars, my house, the people, the presence, these things are not the gods of my life. But the God of my life is Jesus Christ. And we will draw together and be unified in an atmosphere that is stronger than anything ever before in Jesus' name. You see, there are five ministries that are given to the church to clarify this. And we're going to take the next few minutes here to speak about these five ministries and the things that they can begin to do. And I'm not able to click forward, so there, oh, there we go. Let's go back here. Five ministries that are given to the church. Five ministries that are given. And I guess I do want to go forward to that scripture there. It says this in Ephesians 4 and 11. In just a second here. Let me pull it up on the screen maybe. Uh, it should be that next slide in there, Pastor. There we go, Ephesians 4 and 11. And it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Five ministries that are given to the church to begin to see God's purpose moving forward. Again, we're talking about moving this thing forward, seeing things happen in the community around us. Now, sometimes people are challenged, and they do not like this idea of what God has set up here. I have seen people come into the atmosphere of the church and say, I don't need to be under a pastor. I don't need to be under a church. I don't need to have any leadership in my life. I just need God in myself. And they are greatly 
mistaken inside of that statement there. there. There is so much dissatisfaction that will come with that thought and that idea that God has set this up. And if we put ourselves under a pastor, if we are willing to put ourselves under the leadership that God has put into place, the blessings that will pour into our lives are tenfold what they might be if we decide to Lone Ranger this thing out there on our own. It's because God uses these ministries to speak to us and to begin to move through the things that we do. First of all, the apostles. The apostles' calling is to take the gospel to virgin territories and to establish, establish churches. We see this with Paul and the disciples, that they are going to many different cities in these areas that uh, people who have slightly heard about Jesus but have never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost or the out outpouring of what it might have been. And so these apostles go forward into these, these various places and they begin to preach and speak about Jesus. We have that here today in our world that these people go around to various churches and they begin to proclaim the name of Jesus and what he can do inside of these areas. Without apostles, the church would not expand and it would not be established in new areas. So you see the importance of having apostles inside of the church. And, and you will find tonight that as I go through this list that some, some people might fit into more than one category on side of this thing, that sometimes we're called to minister in different ways, but ultimately we're all called to, to, to really apostolize this thing into our community, that you have workplaces, you have environments where the word of God might never have been spoken before, and it is your job to carry the message of Jesus Christ into that atmosphere. And so in some senses, you might be able to include yourself as an apostle tonight, somebody who is meant to minister the gospel to those places. But second of all, we have prophets or those who are endowed by God with the ability to give direction and warning to the church. Prophecy isn't just about predicting things of the future and saying this is what is going to happen tomorrow at noon or this is what is going to happen in the future. But we see that, that the prophets can be one who foretells God's purpose to his church or telling the church that this is something that God is displeased with and he has spoken to me about it, so let's change this because we want to alter what might happen in the future. We see prophets might also speak encouraging words that build up faith inside of people, saying, you know what? God is going to do a great work this year. God is going to have something happen inside of your household that you have never understood before. They will begin to build up faith and edify the church and encourage the people inside of it in Jesus' name. We need prophets inside of the kingdom of God as well. People who are willing to go forward and to proclaim the good things of the Lord. But we also have evangelists or people who have been gifted with the ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with clarity and see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on those in need of salvation. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost on those who have not received it before. They have a unique quality of ministering to the lost and helping church develop a mindset of soul winning. We must have that mindset of soul winning. So we need some evangelists inside of the church, some people who are going to say, you know what, God can still save people. God can still reach. You can still teach Bible studies and see people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We need evangelists inside of our churches to give us this idea of we must have soul winning. We must reach more and more and more. Without this ministry, the church cannot grow. Without this, the church will not grow. 
We also have pastors or people who are shepherds who care for the flock of God. Pastors, they, they, they feed the flock of God with the word and they protect the church from false doctrine and from spiritual danger. Scripture will liken them to the watchman that is upon the wall. And I recently heard a message from Raymond Woodward where he was speaking about pastors who are meant to stand upon the wall and to watch for danger, that they are meant to, to sound the alarm when danger begins to approach close. And there may be some people in the midst of the city who are in their deep sleep in the middle of the night, but that watchman is standing there on the wall guarding that territory against the enemy and even though it may be the middle of the night it is that watchman's job to sound the alarm even though it may cause people to wake up and, and have to begin to do things and have to begin to walk forward it is their job to sound that alarm and if they do not then they are held accountable before the kingdom of God and so I understand that some of these ministries sometimes our, our pastors can speak things to us that that pry deeply but if they do not speak those things from the wall that the enemy is trying to put inside of our lives, then they are held accountable before God. You see, they are also called to do that work of an evangelist, that man, we can go and reach souls. We can go and speak to people. And it is so incredible how God works through these ministries in many different ways. Let me just give you a brief example. Last Thursday, I told you that I was speaking in a Bible study about the gift of the Holy Ghost and how God can fill us and the outpouring of that. It was just an incredible time and I walked out of there so encouraged. But I was so excited this last Sunday morning when I heard Pastor Carnahan begin to get up and speak about the gift of the Holy Ghost, confirming everything that I had spoken that Thursday night before. We had not spoken. We did not know what each other was going to talk about in both of those atmospheres, but it was through the presence of God that he was emphasizing that over and over and over again, that he was revealing these things over and over and over again. And if you want to call it a coincidence, go ahead and do that. But I know Know that it is the Spirit of God that is reaching people through these ministries here. And it is through the pastor that people are to be properly cared for and that people properly care for the local assembly on a daily basis. Last but not least, we have teachers on this list. And teachers are those who God endows with a special gift of explaining the Word of God. It is through their diligent study and apt presentation that they nourish the minds of people with what the Lord is saying to the church throughout Holy Scriptures. The list of ministries links pastors and teachers closely together, indicating that some individuals commonly fill both roles. But you will see these roles and acted out that sometimes inside of this church you may see your pastor speaking and preaching one way, but when they go to another church, they will speak and preach a completely different way. And you think, well, what happened here? What's the difference in the midst of this? You see, these are the ministries that God is allowing to happen in various places. That at one point, the, a pastor might be an apostle. At one point, a pastor might be an evangelist. At one point, a pastor might be a teacher. But all of these things must work together because if we take one of these pieces out, then we begin to crumble that unity that was put before us. So we must strive to fill these roles. We must strive to see God enacted inside of these things here. We must encourage our sons and our daughters to say, you know what? The most high calling that you can have upon your life is to fulfill the ministry of God, not to go to college to get some college degree. And I'm not against that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But man, if that's what we are encouraging more 
than the ministry of God, then we are greatly mistaken in what is going to happen. I'm sorry, but you can't get a college degree that shows you how the Spirit and the presence of God works and begins to heal people and deliver them from sin. We must begin to get that by experiencing Jesus Christ and reaching out to Him and by winning souls in this community. So I would encourage you to emphasize this in your household, that God puts a strong calling upon these ministries and that if your young son or daughter is desiring something inside of this, encourage them and say, strive for it. Pray about it. Seek your pastor about it. Let God know that that's your desire inside of your heart and God can begin to use you inside of that there. The riches are more so than you will ever experience in anything else, but this is something that we must strive for in Jesus' name. And we see in verse 12 there that the reason that God gives us these things here is for the perfecting of the saints. And I believe it skipped the, the verse there. But for the perfecting of the saints. That God has given us these things for the perfecting of the saints. Strong's concordance tells us that perfection means to repair, to mend, and to completely furnish. It's a surgical term basically meaning that it's going to recover that which was broken, that which was damaged, that which was hurt. This means the preaching the Word of God should train believers to fulfill their own ministries, to discover their giftings, and to receive strength, direction, and power to accomplish God's purpose for their lives, to experience these things. That was something that came up in that Bible study Thursday night is, well, how do we even begin to do these things? How do we know that God is working through us? Does it just magically happen? And I said, well, sometimes you have to begin to explore these areas. You have to begin to test the water, begin to, to see what God is going to do through you. It's that step of faith that we have to begin to take and say, God, if you're putting this upon my life, I'm going to step out here and see what's going to happen. And I'm thankful for this church and an atmosphere, discipleship classes, Sunday school classes, various Bible studies where we have atmospheres where you can experiment somewhat with the things of God and say, you know what, God, I heard about this. I, I want to pray about it and seek your face about it and see what happens as a result of it. And God absolutely will work through those circumstances. I encourage you to step out there, reach out, see what God will do. It's our goal through all of these ministries to see the body grow and to mature into this unity of the faith that we have spoken about. The unity of the faith. If you want to go to that next slide, Pastor, it should be, there we go. I guess there's no scripture on that one. But the unity of the faith. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. The unity of the faith. Jesus, or as each believer comes to know Jesus personally and doctrinally, the church reaches a state of maturity where she can function with effectiveness and power in the earth. Effectiveness and power in the earth. But we must have the unity of the faith. And it comes through our leaders. It comes to the people around us. So now that we have all of that taken care of, I know a long introduction. Let's begin to talk about our individual maturity. If you can do the next slide there, please. Individual maturity, and one more as well. I think, uh, there we go. Putting off the old man. Individual maturity. This is speaking about you as an individual, not looking at the church as a whole, not looking at the person who sits next to you on Sunday morning, maybe not even your spouse who's sitting next to you inside of your house here tonight, but individual maturity, putting off this old man. 
The way that we put off this old man, if you have never experienced this before, is through baptism. Initially, we come to a place and we're, we're buried in Jesus Christ in baptism. We, we come to church, we're hearing about baptism, we're hearing about being freed from our sins, and we make that commitment and saying, you know what, I've heard about this long enough, it's now time for me to go down in the water in Jesus' name and come out of that sin free. It's so simple, it's so easy. If you have not done that tonight, I would encourage you to reach out to us, get a hold of us however you can, and we are willing to teach you a Bible study and get you in that baptismal tank as quickly as you possibly want to go down in the water in Jesus' name. You can become sin-free, but that's your initial step to putting off the old man because you once lived and strived after those sins, but now you're making a commitment to say, man, I am going to do my best to fight and resist, to put down those sins that are there, to never touch them ever again. And God will help you with that. When you come out of that water, he will absolutely deliver you from certain things. He will put certain sins completely under your feet. But there will always be something there that your flesh is tempted after that you have to make up your own mind that I am going to fight to put off this old man. I don't want to be who I once was, but I want to be who I am now in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be that sinful man, but I want to be who I am after coming out of this water in Jesus' name, completely sin-free and delivered from the things of God. But you see, it goes beyond that. Because even though that is just the first step, and even though we will eventually be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we must also become consecrated through the things of God. Consecration is making a decision to give something completely to God. Consecrating your life. We set ourselves aside for God, and the term holiness has this same meaning in Scripture. It's why I know that some people come in and they say, man, you guys are very, uh, you, you emphasize holiness over and over and over again and that, that sort of thing. And, and we, we do, we do speak about it quite often. We're not saying that if you don't, if you're not perfect, then you can't experience God. But we're saying, man, you should strive to be more holy inside of the kingdom of God, to avoid certain things, to not be a part of certain groups, to not be involved in some stuff. We, we do this because we understand that we must become consecrated unto God if we want to see him move and work inside of our lives. If all that you do is go down in the water of baptism and you come out of that and you don't consecrate yourself unto the kingdom of God, then you have done nothing but just a quick day of washing away your sins because you're going to fall right back into those same things. You're not going to reveal who Jesus Christ is to this world. So we must dedicate our lives unto God. Saying, God, that whatever it takes, if it means that I give up my job, my money, the things around me, my decisions, God, I am going to give these things to you and become consecrated unto your kingdom. You see, for Samson, his consecration was determined in the Nazarite vow. Nazarite vows were common in Israel, but what is uncommon was the vow to be made from the womb to the grave. Nazarites were individuals who voluntarily took a vow to abstain from any product of the vine, grapes, wine, grape vinegar, and so on. They, they, they abstained from cutting their hair or coming near any dead body. The voluntary nature of the vow is what made it unusual for an individual to be Nazarite from birth. 
So what Samson had here was a consecration unto God that was quite, quite strong, that there were people who could look at him and say, man, that's a Nazarite. He walks differently. He talks differently. He does things differently inside of his life. And the community would know who the Nazarites were because they were consecrating themselves unto the kingdom of God. And like Samson, anyone who took the Nazarite vow in Scripture made sacrifices for the sole purpose of drawing closer to God. That was their goal, was to come close to God, to be in His presence, to experience Him more than anybody else might have. They desired a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Almighty. And they, they exercised these spiritual disciplines in order to try to get to that place with God. If someone is to truly follow close to Jesus Christ, the old man must be abandoned in the new life accepted. Old ways renounced and new ways adopted. That you were once in that old place, but you're now in that new place. You see, a daily diet of the word through reading, preaching, and teaching will affect this renewal process, which in turn will bring about a new form of living higher than that of self-indulged lust of the old nature. And that's why we talk about tonight the putting on of the new man. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You went down in that water, you came out, and that sin was remitted and pushed away from your life. And now you can dance with joy because God has set you on a new refreshing path. And as you become consecrated unto him and say, I am no longer going to live in those areas or touch those certain things, there may be some people that come up to you and say, well, you just think that you're too much for yourself or that you're super prideful. And, and the list goes on and on and on. And I've even had people not inside of this local church, but inside of, of uh, other churches around that just say, man, you think you're too much about yourself because you don't do that or you don't touch those things and that sort of stuff. But you know what? They can say that all they want because I know the joy and the peace that I have inside of the kingdom of God. I know how great it feels to walk in the presence of God saying, I am fighting sin daily and I am not going to let it win. I am not let it going to, to overcome my life. I want to demonstrate to others that they can rise above and overcome those same things inside of their life, that they don't have to be trapped by the snares of the devil anymore in Jesus' name. And so it's the deliverance, it's the freedom of putting on a new man. It's the exciting thing, the joy and the peace that we are brand new in who he is in Jesus' name. And so what this means, what it means to put on this new man is something that we have already covered, but it's taking on this nature of Jesus Christ himself. It's putting on this new nature. It begins at the new birth, but it must continue as a daily process. That tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up and say, what would Jesus do? The next day, I'm going to get up and say, what would Jesus do? I'm going to passionately strive to do what Jesus would do if he was here inside of this world. If somebody hurts me, if somebody stabs me, whatever it may be, I'm going to say, what would Jesus do? do? Would he forgive them or would he hold a grudge against them? What would Jesus do during an argument? What would Jesus do in these circumstances? It's putting on this new man and saying, I'm going to strive and live for something greater in Jesus' name. I'm sure that you have experienced that at some point that sometimes people just like to argue. And when you say, I'm not even going to go there with you, I, I would rather not. 
then they become very defensive and say, well, you just, again, think you're better than I am or whatever it may be because you, you don't want to talk about this. And that's not the case at all. But I just understand that in that circumstance, Jesus would do the same thing. Our world would become so much better if we begin to live after how Jesus would do things rather than how we would do things. Let, let me ask you, I just thought of this question with a mask mandate. What would Jesus do? These various things that you can think about. What would Jesus do? You see, there's an example that was left by Jesus Christ. A life that is above reproach and it is blameless. Above reproach and blameless. When you put on this new man and begin to live after it, then you can also begin to live a life that's above reproach and blameless. People can try to get you caught up somewhere, but they're not going to be able to because you're going to stand for the kingdom and the things of God. Question for you tonight, and, and I probably don't have time to wait for the answers, but what is a teaching or a truth? And if you want to reply to this, you certainly can. Maybe it will help somebody else. But what is a teaching or a truth of Scripture that you have modeled your life after? What is something in Scripture? What is a teaching of truth that you have modeled your life after? You can just quickly uh, put something in there, a phrase. I'm going to keep teaching, but if you want to put those in there, I'll read them here in just a second. But something that you have modeled your life after. I encourage you to do this because it might encourage somebody else and say, hey, this is what they're doing. This is what I want to model my life after as well. And I want you to remember this before we go on here tonight. But children will mimic their parents either for good or for evil, whatever their parents are doing. A father must be careful of the legacy he leaves in his children because they will act upon what they have seen their father do more than what he has said. What, what, is, what, what the father has done more than what the father has said. So we must be careful what we live out in front of others, what we live out in the people around us. But I am thankful that we have a Father in heaven who lived an example out before us that is blameless without fault, that we can follow as children of God. Pastor, if you can go to that next slide, it should be a scripture, I believe. John 8 and 38, it says, I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and ye do that which you have seen with your Father. Parents can receive no greater compliment than to know their children are following in their footsteps. Brother Carlos, you said, more blessed to give than to receive. Absolutely, a great motto for this season, something great to live after. Sister Carnahan, it is better to obey God rather than men. Acts 5 and 29. Absolutely. Some things that we can strive to live after. And again, this is why the importance of, of memorizing Scripture or putting these things on a sticky note and putting it on your bathroom mirror or inside of your work vehicle or whatever it may be. Let these things resound true every single day inside of your life. Sister Brock, Jesus washed the feet of someone he knew was going to turn against him. We can forgive people who have hurt us. Absolutely, we can do that in Jesus' name, and that is an absolutely powerful thing when we do that in Jesus' name. And then we'll go to the next slide tonight, Pastor, in Jesus' name. Our final point tonight, and, I, and then I think we have one scripture. But maturity, it's a process. God desired to replace vices with virtues, and God never takes something away without replenishing it. 
He desires to take the things that are meant to grip and tear and rip apart and put something in there that will heal and mend and bring together the striving for unity. You see, God expects his people to be kind one to another. Sister Roe, you just said that. Do unto others as you would have others do to you. But God desires that we be kind to one another. And this verse speaks of practical kindness that is displayed by speaking the prosperity and benefit of our brother rather than our own will. Seeking their prosperity, their benefit, rather than our own in this world. That's completely unheard of. Completely unheard of when you look at the news and media and these things that are on there. Social media, me, myself, and I in so many different aspects rather than saying, I want my brother to be benefited from this. But instead, there's some people out there that, man, they will post some things saying, I want my brother to be jealous of what I have and what I am doing. Instead of saying, I want to be an encouragement to my brother and show them that they can have incredible things in their life as well. Kindness is really no small matter to God in so many different ways. And let me show you this inside of Scripture here tonight. That next slide there. Isaiah 54 and 9, it says, For this as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. Verse 10, it says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Every time that we see a rainbow in the sky, we can be reminded not only of God's promise concerning the flood, that he will not flood the earth all over, but also that he, there's another promise that is tied to that rainbow in the sky. And it is his kindness will not, shall not depart from us. But it will always be there for us. And if God is pouring his kindness into every one of us, then we must strive to be kind to others as well. Maturity is a process. We put off the old man. We put on the new man. We become consecrated in the things of God. And then we begin to mature in the things of God. We get involved in discipleship classes. We get involved in deeper Bible studies. We strive to read the word on a daily basis. We come to prayer meetings. We get involved in these things. Maturity, it is a process if you want to know more about God. God has important work for his church to do. We will accomplish this work when we are walking with Christ and becoming more like him. We must not only choose godly actions, but we must make sure that our speech points to God's promises as well and gives him the glory. The best use of the power of speech is to bring glory to God. God has provided more than we could ever ask. He has made a way for us to overcome, to overcome the enemy of God and to overcome our own flesh. God has called us to a higher walk and he desires us to pursue more of him. 
And so tonight, I would encourage you to be willing to commit your life, to say, God, I am going to pursue after you like I never have before. Make it a New Year's resolution to say, God, this year I am going to make it to every monthly prayer meeting throughout the year. Every, every uh, once a month, that Saturday night, I am going to be involved with the church pursuing you, God. Begin to increase your Bible reading and say, God, I did five minutes this last year. This next year, I'm going to do six or seven or maybe ten. I'm going to double it and see you do some incredible things. God, I haven't been fasting as much as maybe I should have. So this next year, God, my commitment to you is to fast and to continue forward with every one of these things. And I would believe that even in the month of January, we're going to fast as a church and pray and see God do some incredible things. So let this be an encouragement to you that you are doing well where you are at, but you can strive for more. You can see something greater. You can walk into the passion and the depths of God. And it is the way that we will unify the spirit and strive for the great things in the kingdom of God to bring them to our community. I am believing. I am praying for the day that we need to buy a new building. We, we are there. We're on the verge of it because we cannot fit everybody inside of this room here where we need to buy a new building because our youth group is overflowing, where our children's ministry needs more teachers inside of it. There comes a time when revival begins to grow these things, and we are on the verge of this doorstep in Jesus' name. Let me finish tonight with a story to show you that it is up to you what you do with the things that God has given to you. It says, throughout his life, Pablo Picasso produced an estimated 13,500 paintings and designs, 100,000 prints and engravings, 34,000 book illustrations, and 300 sculptures and ceramics. One such painting titled The Dream was completed in 1932. In 1997, an art auction at Christie's in New York City casino uh, magnate Steve Wayne purchased The Dream for $47 million. Less than a decade later, Wynn completed a deal to sell that painting for $139 million. The transaction would have set a record for the sale of a piece of art. It would have if Wynn who was standing close to the painting, hadn't turned and inadvertently clobbered the Picasso with his elbow, punching a six-inch hole in the middle of the masterpiece. While no one is certain what that does to the value of a painting itself, the effect on the sales price was immediate. Even more quickly than it had come, the record-breaking $139 million sale evaporated. Samson's life could have been so much more than it was. He was made for more than what the end of his life turned out to be. If Samson would have valued his consecration and walked worthy of his vocation, he would have been more than extraordinary. But because of his careless treatment of the sacred, his life was reduced to being made sport of the enemy. However, because of God's grace, in the final moments of Samson's life, God allowed him to avenge his enemies. God restored Samson's strength and he brought the pillars of the temple crashing down, killing more Philistines in that moment than he had his entire life. Yes, that was a redeeming moment at the end of his life, but what could have been if he had treated that which was priceless with the same passion that he had used to ruin it? It's a question to think about tonight, that we are to strive for the unity of, 
of the faith. In Jesus' name. If you can, lift your hands tonight. Let's pray that God would just saturate us with this word and affect us tonight in Jesus' name. God, I believe through your authority, God, that you are speaking to every person who has heard your word tonight, Lord. We desire to strive for the unity in faith, God. We know we can do better, God. We know we can walk greater inside of your kingdom, God. Help us to not be like Samson and give this up for something temporary. But tonight, I pray that you would encourage every person, Lord, those who have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you would pour it upon their life, Jesus, that they would be filled with your spirit and speak in other tongues as you give the utterance. God, I believe absolutely through who you are, tonight, God, that we will strive together in 2021 to see greater things happen in our community, God, to see your word and your spirit revealed as it never has been before. God, through you and your strength, God, I am thankful tonight for what you have done and what you have moved in every household and every person, God. We give you the glory and the praise for all that is going to happen and all that will be through you, Jesus. God, thank you for these families tonight. Encourage them this week as they go forward. In Jesus' wonderful name, we believe these things tonight. Amen and amen and amen. Let's just give God some praise one last time and thank him for what he has done here tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your mighty name, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Again, thank you for sticking with us here again tonight. I, I think that the live stream went very well, it looks like, and so it must have been uh, some things that I was having the computer download. It was too much work for it last week, and so I will take the blame again in Jesus' name, but we will believe we can continue forward again. Remember, Sunday morning, Sunday night, next Thursday night, uh, we're going to live stream all of that as well. And so if you cannot be here because of a sickness or an ailment, um, please feel free to stay home, but just enjoy the live stream. Worship with us. Don't let it just be a time to sit back on the couch and relax, but lift your hands and let the presence of God flow into your house as well in Jesus' wonderful name. So we believe that. I appreciate every one of you, and I'm excited to see you on Sunday in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy.